Welcome! You're listening to Ron Swanson versus Dwight K. Schrute. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is Swanson versus Schrute. Zach Weiss here, joined by Ryer Smith and Ryer talking today about the great town of Scranton, Pennsylvania, the Electric City. What? What? Yeah, I'm ready to go. I watched these episodes that we're about to talk about, so I'm, I'm locked in. And we got a resident office superfan, John Stewart, a big sports guy joining us to talk about the office. Also some sports today, so John, mm-hmm. glad to get you on today. Thanks for having me, Zach. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, John, we're going to go right to you, and then we'll come to you, Ryer. In the fifth episode of The Office, the first season of the show, you know, we didn't know where the show was going. Michael's hair is terrible. Jim didn't know what he was doing. We didn't know who, who's Pam going to – does Jim really like Pam? Is Roy a cool guy? Roy just seems so harsh. But there's a basketball game, and there was a temp. There was a guy that was chosen for his skin color only. <laughs> and there was well, – not in addition to Michael Scott, we had Richard Hamilton joining there with the mask, a.k.a. Dwight Trude, and John – Michael Scott. Not so good at basketball, huh? Yeah. So, um, so that episode, uh, I think, was really along with um, Diversity uh, Day, which was also a season one episode. I think those are two, you know, the two best uh, episodes in season one. Season one, for anyone who doesn't know, was only six episodes. Yep. And it was, you know, kind of unknown if the show would continue past season one. But uh, quick tangent, um, the success of The 40-Year-Old Virgin that summer really, you know, propelled Steve Carell into an A-list star and really convinced NBC that the show should continue. So the 40-year-old virgin, we can, we can thank for the office being the show that it is. It it really was a huge deal. Uh, Ryer, have you seen the 40-year-old virgin? I have, I have. And what are are your thoughts on Steve Carell there? Personally, I really, I liked Paul Rudd best in that, personally. Paul Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. (laughs) They're both great. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that's, that's one of the few things with Steve Carell in it that I liked. So I'll, I'll say that. But it was a, it was a pretty good movie. All right, Ryer. So talk, talk to me about your thoughts on uh, Michael Scott, the basketball player that ESPN loves to post about for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, terrible basketball player, terrible coach, terrible guy, honestly. I'm just yelling at him the whole time. He's first, I don't know why he didn't want Dwight to play. I thought it was like the effect where, you know, like the Jerry effect where he just hates him. But I think it's that, yeah, uh, I think he did, I, that I, other I guy. He would be good for some, for whatever reason. I, he doesn't think oh, he, he did. Good. Okay. Yeah. And then he just goes out there and he's just getting buckets and Michael's still ripping on him. Like, come on, dude, you gotta, you gotta put the best team yeah, out like, there if you're trying yeah, to win. Yeah. He's like, Oh, I was open. Should have passed it to me when he made the basket. <laughs> and you know, but, that- Right, so that gives me strong Hey Arnold vibes. And pass the ball to Tucker. Michael Scott is the Tucker in this situation. Oh, my God, yeah. He's, he's just brutal to watch. And I, I want to know how the game was so close because other than Dwight and Jim, I, I would imagine that uh, Craig Robinson's team was just killing them. So I don't know how it came down to the end where he was up. And then he pulls the classic – I was saying this to Zach. He's literally every – you know they do those videos where, like, are you this type of basketball player or pickup ball player, pickup whatever? Yep. He's all the worst types. <laughs> he's bad. He is a ball hog. 
and he quits when like, he takes his ball and goes home before he can lose. And you know, Ryan, not only does uh, he take the ball and go home, he actually shoots a free throw to send the ball home because the ball is so off target that Michael's just like, ball, and he kind of pulls a happy Gilmore. Ball, go home. He just shoots the free throw over the backboard, and it's gone. So, I, I mean, uh, John, what are your thoughts on Michael as a basketball player? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like, aside from his le- complete lack of skill, it's the fact that he's so arrogant and just believes that he's actually good and that he's actually helping the team. And, you know, I don't think – I mean, he's very selfish. And, like like I said, he, you know, he criticized Dwight when Dwight actually made a shot. And then, like, you know, I'm sure we would, we're going to get to, um, he, you know, the opponent that he clearly, you know, does not mean to, you know – foul him particularly hard but he takes it as a hard foul just because that's that's who he is as as a person he's just he's he's like a, he's like a baby like almost yeah and um so yeah from from there um michael basically just he whines and complains and says oh that was an intentional personal foul game's <laughs> over we, we can't we can't keep playing and so um basically so daryl says to him okay so we'll just decide um you know, who won based on what the score is now. And then, and then Daryl says, okay, so that was, that was you guys. And he's, and he's like, and Michael's like, he acts like he didn't know. And he, he totally knew. <laughs> and. Um, oh, he asked right before he got the foul. He asked what the score was. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And um, the whole thing was that whoever won the game was going to have to come in on Saturday and work. Yep. And uh, when, you know, when Michael said, oh, I guess you guys are coming in. And then when they knew the game wasn't even over, like it was totally unfair. Roy and Daryl basically corner him and are like, so you're coming in tomorrow. We're coming in on Monday. <laughs> it, then, was, it was a joke. It was a joke, he, guys. He, he relents yeah. and like, you know, and he, <laughs> it was all for show. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't being serious. And um, yeah, so Michael all over around is just terrible, <laughs> terrible player and not a good sport. That's my thought. That's that's you can't really say it better than that, John. And now, Ryer, we'll start with you and go to John. If you talk about the uh, the dynamic between Jim and Roy on the basketball court, which just Ryer has Pam thrown right in the middle without realizing it. She doesn't know that Jim has these feelings somehow. I mean, I, I don't get it. The teapot in season two should really give it away, although it takes until season four. But that's the, you know people know that that happens. At season three, obviously, decision at the end of season two. But Ryer, Jim and Roy are going at it. And, you know, Jim takes a hard foul, gets right up. And then what does he do? Well, behind the back bucket on Roy. And Pam makes his face and says, I'm so proud of you, Jim. Right after it goes in. You know, she makes the face and just starts doing a little golf clap. That's just that's, – that's one of my favorite parts of the episode. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a tough luck for Roy. But Jim's definitely the better ball player. So, he kind of – it's funny how he, like – expected that to be the way he's going to win Pam's heart by playing in this not even it's barely even a pickup game it's literally forced to play rec league type ball whatever yep. and some for whatever reason it's kind of working uh yeah and um yeah to, I think this was the the first episode where we really saw the you know the Jim Roy like kind of quote unquote rivalry start that, you know, that Jim kind of, you know, starts to think of Roy as someone he doesn't really like, and that he thinks that he should be with Pam. And you can see on the basketball court, he takes it personally telling Michael specifically, 
I got Roy on uh, yep. on their on their timeout or whatever. Yep. And um, yeah, uh, but you could you could see Pam was uh, at first was really like rooting for both of them. She's like, oh, good job, Roy. And then when Jim did his you know behind the back move, which was great, she, you know she clapped for him too more as a friend, I think. Yep. But then when uh, uh, Jim kind of elbowed Roy and right yeah Jim yeah Jim elbows Roy and then Roy's like hey what's your problem man like they can they kind of get into it Pam you could see she she loses all sense of like the fun that she was having and she's like oh okay they really you know they really maybe don't like each other a little bit and I thought that was interesting that that was you know the I think that was the first episode where there was a real dynamic between the, you know the love triangle if you yep. will yeah and it's definitely not it's not your normal TV show love triangle. We got some other ones on the office, which will be for a later episode. But, Rye, your final part on the basketball thing here. And we're not going to get too into this, but I just want to know your thoughts. Obviously, Michael Scott loves stereotypes. In the Diversity Day episode, everybody has to just put, put on a stereotype, whether it's a religion or a nationality, and you got to give an accent. <laughs> and then the best one, obviously, though, was something with Kevin and Angela talking. I think she was like China and she talked about ramen. <laughs> but – Stanley, obviously, you, you have characters of all backgrounds. You have Kelly, who's Indian, and you got, oh, you got a lot of Caucasian. You got Stanley, who's as you consider another black guy in the office. And Michael just assumes that he's LeBron James. He says, all right, Stanley's like, oh. And then he sees Stanley throw his garbage in and miss. And yeah. Ryer, I, I know Stanley got chosen for his skin color, but can Michael really be that blind to just pick someone because of that? I mean, I think it tells you all you need to know when he looks over at, I don't even know that other guy's name, the one who's Latino, and he goes, oh, I'll play. And he goes, oh, no, I'll call you if we have a baseball game or something. I'm like, what, dude? Oh, my God. So clearly it's not a coincidence. And, he, you know, he's calling the warehouse guy, guy's brother and homie and whatever. So, uh, yeah, he clearly knows what he's doing. Uh, I don't think he means any malintent by it, but I don't, to be honest, I was talking with our good friend Gary earlier, and yep. some of these some of these jokes missed for me, like specifically those ones where I I don't know I didn't like them so much. You know what I mean? Okay, you. I, I, like I'm not I, I, if you do it in a certain way, it's fine. But I, some of them were just landing flat for me. Not just those type of jokes, but a, a couple of jokes, and we'll get into that more. But. Yep. throughout the episodes I watched that I've I've come around on some of the characters like Jim and I like Dwight but Michael Scott's still not there for me John anything to add before we move on to the almighty booze cruise <laughs> um yeah I mean I I, I kind of agree with everything there that, that, uh, that Ryer said um and you know I, I I think he just doesn't know any better like he just he just assumes that Oh, Stanley's black. He's going to be a good basketball player. I, I think it's just out, it's just out of pure stupidity, and that and that he doesn't know the rest of his office like as well as he thinks. Like, because if he had, he would have known that Kevin was one of the better, probably yeah. the best, you know, shooter on in the office. Yeah. And he just, you know, I think it's just yeah, it's just a case of Michael being being who he was, especially in the early seasons, just uh, a really immature ignorant <laughs> uh person who happens to be a boss some, yeah. somehow <laughs> quote unquote world's best boss a mug that if you have not bought i recommend you get online and look for it's 
Rye, I'm going to start with you. As we go to the booze cruise, and there's just there's two specific points here. Obviously, shout out Rob Riggle. I loved him in this episode. I'm happy they got him in. Big fixture on the league, as all three of us have seen, and his, his role is interesting. But Ryer, this is something we really haven't seen too much. I'm actually I'm watching Brooklyn Nine Nine now, and I actually just saw this in an episode today, also in season two. But Jim, at this point, is dating Katie, played by Amy Adams, and obviously Pam is engaged to Roy for the tenth year in a row. Shout out to the Dundee for it. And what I didn't expect to see Ryer was they're on this cruise, they're hanging out, and all of a sudden. Katie talks about being a cheerleader. Roy's eyes, like, light up. And he talks about, I think they were rivals. And it's just so awkward for Jim and Pam. But Roy and Katie, this, that, 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 every time I watch that episode, I'm really just, I question why either one of them are dating either one of them. And they're not just, they don't just trade partners right then. Yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, the first thing I was going to say on this episode is Rob Riggle, great can or whatever you want to say, guest appearance. Uh, he was awesome in this episode. And then, yeah, to your point, I I think it kind of helps. I mean, obviously, like I said, I haven't seen the whole thing, but uh, you can tell that they kind of see those two hitting it off and are like, ha-ha, like, wow, they have more in common and we have more in common. Like, we should, you know, whatever. And there's obviously the awkward moment, like, out on the boat for whatever reason where Jim just doesn't kiss her. I don't know what he's doing, but... Yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Huh? Yeah, so I have something to add to that, uh, actually. Um, so, which kind of surprised me is kind of, you know, really the only, I don't, I don't want to say weak point, but just kind of confusing point of the episode when, uh, so just 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 skip ahead a little bit. Um, Roy is convinced by Rob Riggle's character, the captain, that this is the night that I'm going to finally ask Pam. Yeah. Uh, to you know we're gonna set a wedding date and pam of course is overjoyed you know she completely you know disregards jim who's like right there and she goes right you know to roy and is so happy and then afterward um when they're out on the on the boat katie says to jim oh no no they look so happy together and jim's like kind of ambivalent and then she says are you gonna are you gonna ask me to dance are you gonna you know do anything and he's like no we should break up and i find this really interesting because why right after Pam is now, you know, she's set. She set a date. She's taken now. Why at that point would you break up with Katie? That makes no sense to me. If anything, that's the point where you say, okay, this is going to be a real relationship. I didn't understand that at all. I think it's, you know, Jim, you know, or the writers of the episode (laughs) really just, you know, being, I think a little confused as to what Jim, you know, what his path is going to be. Uh, Ryer, I'll go to you in a second. I just want to add, I understand that a lot. My short answer, to keep it brief, is that Jim might have been, it's never noted or noticed, like he did with everyone he dated for the first three seasons, trying to make a certain someone jealous. I think maybe he saw a hot girl there. He's like, all right, I don't, I, I, can, I can date. I'm okay with that. Although we see this on every TV show. You like someone, they're taken, you date someone else. He sees Katie, hot girl. Michael wants her, Dwight wants her, Kevin wants her. He's like, I'll just swoop in and be, be, be the 6'3", tall, cool guy that I am. So, Ryer, I see Jim as dating her because she was the best option for him at the time. And it would have made Pam a little jealous and perhaps pressured Roy. If Roy didn't want it, Jim all of a sudden comes free. You don't have to wait because you know what you want. And boom. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you there. I think you're spot on. 
And closing up this episode briefly, right, I want to try and do this quick. So now you got to go in a couple minutes. We'll do this fast and get you the first part of the Diwali segment. And what I would, so we know Jim becomes single on this cruise. Dwight's driving his little toy wheel that he thinks is real. I'm, and, you know, I was, I was joking with, with Rye the other day about, you know, whatever. I don't know what we were talking about, but it's like, you, I, hopefully you're steering better than Dwight. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I forget what we were talking about, too. But that was my favorite part of the episode at the end where yeah. uh, Michael calls him stupid. <laughs> Big wheel, dummy. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, great line. And then Jim decides to tell Michael how he feels about Pam. So... John, we'll go to you and then Ryan. What are your thoughts on that? And obviously, Michael can't keep a secret. And we find out two episodes later during their lunch at Hooters that he knows it was a mistake. Yes. Um, that, was all, that was, you know, clearly the other, you know, pivotal part of the episode. And it really, it was definitely catching Jim in a moment where he was vulnerable. Um, and, you know, I think he just wanted to tell someone, anyone who would listen to him at that point, his feel, his, you know, his feelings for Pam and Michael just happened to be the wrong person there like if it was if it was Kevin there I think if it was Dwight there if it was Ryan there he just he needed to tell someone that his feelings he needed to tell someone of his feelings for Pam of of this girl who he cared about a lot who now is gone and he's now has no chance to be with and he just he just want he just needed to get it off his off his chest I think right yeah I completely agree again not gonna argue that point uh I think that, yeah, that was basically it. He had a moment of weakness, and Michael was the only guy around. So he told him, and, I mean, he gave him decent decent enough advice, I guess, yep. telling him – reading the quote off, like, the most famous, like, poster that every football coach has in their locker room, never, ever give up or uh, – <laughs> God. So, yeah, that was good. And then, like I said, it – it's uh exclamation point with the calling Dwight an idiot at the end. It's so funny. Uh, and guys, we're going to – now we go, Ryan. Got to get you here. We got a few minutes here real quick. So I'm going to play the full song. It's 87 seconds, Michael's Diwali song. I'm going to break down the song, which is at the end of the episode, then move on with the episode. Shout out Adam Sandler. You'll hear in a second. Oh, got an ad playing. So as we get uh, – set, set in the tone, we got an 87-second song. Michael Scott sings Diwali. At the end of the episode, season three, episode six, Kelly helped write the episode, and here we go. Diwali by Michael Scott. Going out to Indians everywhere. It's a tribute to one of the greats, Mr. Adam Sandler. <laughs> one of the greats. Festival of night. Let me tell you something. Tonight has been one crazy night. <laughs> So put on your sorry. It's time to celebrate Diwali. Everybody looks so jolly, but it's not Christmas Eve. Diwali, the goddess of destruction, Kali. Stop by to celebrate Diwali. Here comes the best part. Don't invite any zombies. Wait for Walking Polly. Here we go. Yeah. 
And there's an applause at the end. Iconic. <laughs> I mean, he does a pretty good job spoofing the song, you know? Like, Crazy Nights. Eight yeah. Crazy Nights, yeah. He does a pretty good job, and all the lines are, I mean, he's got bars. Michael Scott's got bars. <laughs> uh, John, what are your thoughts on this fine tune? I see it cracking up next to me. Uh, I it was, it's, it's great. It's, you know, it, it shows that, you know, Michael's just, <clears throat> he's willing to, to do anything, you know, to get applause, to get, you know, to get approval. And um, I'm not sure who, who wrote it. If, if it was, if Steve and, if Steve Carell and Rain Wilson completely improvised it, but like whoever wrote it, that was like, that was a, a genius thing parodying the Hanukkah song. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ryer, I see it's seven. Do you have a few minutes or do you have to uh, take Yeah, no, I'm good. I can hang out for a little okay, bit. Okay, guys. So what I want to do now, we're going to go back. So obviously Michael shows up with Carol, his real wife, his wife in real life, his girlfriend in the show. And we're going to talk about that because he and Leslie both, Leslie Knope from Parks and Rec each had relationships with their actual spouse on said show. So we're going to hold that for later. But they're dating. It's a costume party. She shows up as a cheerleader dressed like it's Halloween. Michael shows up with, I don't even know what, the, I don't know what, he, maybe Frankenstein. I don't know. We, it's not important. But Michael's talking to Kelly's parents. They've been together for 30 years. They're happy. So you guys only met once before your wedding? That's right. And you guys, you don't regret it. Nope. So he sees a couple that had a, basically a fixed wedding. They had probably a dinner. I've seen a couple of Bollywood movies. This isn't trying to be stereotypical. They probably had dinner at the house with the parents. And they said, you guys are going to get married. Okay. They have Kelly, and obviously they have three younger daughters, as we see. We don't see them at all the rest of the show. But, Ryer... The decision was made by Michael that on his ninth date, we later found out, with Carol, who helped him sell his con to help him buy his condo, he was going to propose. And it actually seemed like people weren't, the characters weren't even surprised at the proposal. But you knew right off the bat. First off, it's rare. We talked about this in the last episode with Ron and, and Tammy. You're generally not with your, your real life spouse in the show, but you knew this was going to go awry. And it went terribly. <laughs> Oh yeah, he just gets swept up in the in the moment, you know. He wants to do. Uh, he's always just trying to fit in, so I don't know. He for whatever reason, he got in that environment where you know it's kind of customary in some situations, and he's like, "Well, why can't I do that without any context at all?" Because he obviously didn't realize that that you know that is a part of their culture. Yeah. Uh, or that family's culture, I'm not saying it's everyone, but uh, so he just, you know, goes off and <laughs> does it in front of everybody, which you, if you've seen any movie ever, like romance movie, you should know, you know, if you're going to do it in front of everybody, you better be 100% sure that it's going to be all right, because otherwise it's going to end up exactly like it did. And I don't think he had a ring, so he was just, he had no yeah. ring. Yep. Oh, yeah, he just said it. Yeah, he just said it. No ring, no nothing. Don't know what he was thinking. Just got caught up in the moment. Yeah, it, I completely agree uh, with everything uh, Ryer said. Uh, he really just did just get caught up in the moment. Like, and you could tell it, like, you know, beforehand in the episode, in a couple episodes before, like, he was joking around to the camera, oh, I'm just going to go have sex with Carol tonight. Like, he didn't take her, he didn't take their relationship seriously at all before, you know, that you know, Kelly's parents talked with him and he just, you know, just for, for whatever reason, just based off what they were saying, he felt inspired with no, you know, yep. no context. <clears throat> like we said, no, 
like I said, not taking their relationship seriously, joking about it to, to the camera and to his coworkers, and uh, for somehow being surprised when Carol said no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and they had, a, they had a, he had a weird love triangle at casino night when Jan came up from New York. I don't even know what was going on there, but I want to last part on this, and we're going to finish with the other part of the episode that happens in the other office in Stanford. Is I mean this happens a lot. Everybody in the office re- likes Pam at a different time. Whether it's Andy who tries when he first comes, and Ryan, you'll see that. Not a spoiler. Uh, obviously, uh, Jim liked her the whole time. Kevin. I think Kevin at some point says that she's hot. It's got to happen at least three or four different times talking with Jim. Uh, there's, there's a couple other Toby, obviously. I mean, it's so awkward. But Michael, of course, there was the episode at Pam's art show where Michael, uh, they hug, and Michael's like, What's that? Do you have a tiny in your pocket? He's like, Yeah, I have a, a candy bar. <laughs> Pulls out a candy bar. So it wasn't his thing touching Pam. But anyway, yes, at the end, right. at the end of this episode, you know, uh, Michael's like, they're both sorry for themselves. They're not with anybody. Michael's like, I'm just going to kiss Pam. And yikes <laughs> is the only way to put it. Yeah, again, just caught up in the moment. He, <laughs> I don't know what movies he's watching, but yeah. So he <laughs> goes there, leans in for the kiss. And then she just like, you can tell she knows, like she feels it. So she just stays forward, stays forward until finally he gets so... She's like, what are you doing? And when she goes, he goes, what are you doing? She goes, I'm rejecting your kiss. <laughs> that, that was a good part. That was, that was a uh, good line by Pam there. <laughs> the old little turn the tables on Michael, which everyone loves to do. Oh, how the turntables. All right. So, the, oh, John, do you have anything to No, I just said in the, the car ride home was just <laughs> priceless. If you say one more word, Michael. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so yeah. now we finish the episode. We go to Stanford, where basically you have, you have Big Tony, who can't get his hands inside the vending machine. Can, can you reach your soft little hands and put them in the vending machine to get my snack? You have and Perkins. <laughs> you have Josh, who... Josh, what a... Man, I, you never watch any shows with characters named Josh. There's really not many. And obviously having a brother named Josh, it's cool to have a Josh character. This Josh turned out to be the worst. Yeah, he bikes to work and that inspired Jim. Yep. It inspires Jim who then has to bike home drunk. But so they have this dinner party, don't go over twenty dollars, Josh, whatever. Three episodes later, Josh and Jan have a nice chat. I, I don't know if I'd call it like a party. Like they were like they're supposed to be like working and they were taking shots mm. like to, you know, to kind of They're like, taking shots and Karen's just dumping her shots in the garbage. <laughs> like hey, you you have your alcohol well, Filipelli. <laughs> yeah, you don't, clearly. But right, you know what's interesting to me about this though? Obviously Andy and Jim have this romance it's very one-sided jim slowly comes around uh, tuna can tuna big tuna big haircut whatever <laughs> and they're trying to get something going and it's interesting because remember pam tries to call jim before the thing with michael pam tries to call jim which i actually didn't realize until i watched the episode again today i also didn't realize i'll save this for another episode when you finish for a, for a later season Ravi actually appears. Ravi becomes relevant at the end of the show, which you'll see in season nine. John, you'll get there someday. But what's it? So, call goes to voicemail with Jim, right? And then she talks to Michael. And Karen just noticed this on. You see her smiling with Jim in the back seat. And something which is it's, it's, it's just mocking us because Karen is basically made, made to be, I think, kind of like a lesser Pam, where he's 
you see Karen, she's trying to be funny. She's trying to be like one of the guys almost in the office, kind of like Pam tries to be when she talks to Jim. You know, they talk about everything. And you see them starting a butter relationship. And it, just, it, it never really felt right to me. And it always felt like it was destined to eventually fail. But this episode, when it slowly starts to happen, right, I didn't feel anything between them. I think it was kind of in Karen's head and Jim just felt bad, felt bad for himself for what happened at the end of season two. So what do you think? Yeah, it seemed more just like, well, at first when, you know, he looks back at her and they're kind of joking around, whatever. I was like, oh, okay, is it going to be like that? But then, you know, where you, you see her, like, not, like, pouring out the shots and then gives him a ride home, it seems more of, like, I don't know if she knew what was going on or what, but uh, it seemed more like a little bit of sexual tension, and then it just turned into, like, this is not going to happen. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, she, I mean, Karen even says, I think, to the camera, you know, I don't know if he's into me, but I'm kind of into him. Yep. and. um I think at first Karen is the one who's into Jim and um, Jim uh, really isn't at first, but I, I think um, I don't remember the, uh, like the specific episode, um, but like when they both, you know, later in season three, when they, uh, when they both go back, when they Stanford branch closes, they both go to Scranton. I, I really thought there was good chemistry between Karen and Jim. Like it, it developed slowly, but I really think, um, and maybe part of it, you know, was to make Pam jealous, but um, I think they really had a, a good thing going towards the, you know, towards the end of season three. And um, as we all know, uh, it, uh, <laughs> you know, Sir, things change. Thing, yeah, things things change. A lot of labels. Put it, put it that way. A lot of labels change from seasons three to four. Yeah, quite a few. Let's put it lightly, but. Yeah, it's 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 certainly an interesting dynamic. It's great getting multiple takes. You know, everyone everyone's mind thinks on the show, and we go to our final episode. Not too much to say here, but there's two things, and we're gonna start with the one that happens after. And we're talking about the company picnic. All the branches get together. We say goodbye to a branch, and how do we find out, guys, that, that we're saying goodbye to a branch? Slum Dunder Mifflin Air, which basically is Michael and Holly, probably the two characters in the show that mirror each other more than any two characters on any show ever written, you can argue. Write a skit. Holly pretends to attack Michael because it's kind of like Slumdog Millionaire. You know, you have the, the young host who they wonder, how'd he get there? How's he getting all these questions right? And they make their final multiple choice question, which branch is closing? <laughs> because David Wallace told them in confidence. Shout out David Wallace. He hasn't got not gotten enough love on this podcast. But Ryer, what are you, what are your thoughts on that skit? I mean, I, I watched that skit and it's like, this is great, this is great, and then it's like, oh yeah, this is Michael Scott. Something like that had to happen. Yeah, it was. It was a good dynamic they had between each other because they are so alike. Uh, almost like weird that they dated or whatever because they kind of feel more like a brother and a sister because they're so painfully awkward. You know <laughs> what I mean? And oh, yeah. so, yeah, <laughs> the part, what was it like? They're talking about how the owner like killed himself or something, and then <laughs> yeah, like, they, well, that's them, already so bad. And he was too dodge. Yeah, or what, what was the last thing they kept? Oh, toothbrush, yeah. And then D was toothbrush for the office also, which office is closing. Yeah. <laughs> Grant is so, yeah. Uh, Buffalo, Nashua, and then toothbrush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nashua, no, so they ended on that. And 
it just yeah and then afterwards they're like what do you mean like you told us this like why is it a big deal and (laughs) when she goes do you think we were that was good he's like oh yeah like we nailed it she's like well i didn't hear many laughs and he's like well he says whatever he's like you know they just don't get our comedy or something like that and then he and then he and then she's like but we made the comedy for them (laughs) yeah yeah that's what it was yeah uh, uh, John, what are your thoughts on this wonderful skit? Obviously, we all love the mention of toothbrush. I mean, bringing hygiene into death? I mean, wow. Yeah, I think it's just another example of, you know, of Michael, you know, and Hol- well, not so much Holly, but Michael, you know, taking a good idea and completely not recognizing context and not recognizing that, oh, you know, maybe, you know, my boss <clears throat> doesn't want me telling all of these employees something that's confidentially going on behind the scenes. It's just complete lack of awareness, and um, yeah, I mean, it. <laughs> David Wallace was pissed. You, you, you rarely see David Wallace that pissed. Yeah, he was really pissed. He handles Michael better than anyone handles Michael. Yeah. I right. was gonna say, there's like no uh, consequences to his actions. He's just like, "What were you thinking?" And then walk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, yeah. just gives him a talking to. Like, if you're, if that's real life, you're out. <laughs> you're gone. Yeah, he probably he'd be gone. Yeah. You know what I just want to add, what relates? We're going to talk about this episode for sure at another time. Ryer, have you seen Michael's 45-day plan? No. All right, so you're going to get there. I'm not going to spoil it. Basically, John, you remember this. We're not going to, we're not going to spoil it for Ryer, but in short, there's a huge issue. They're at a big conference. No one's doing anything. Michael's like, we have a, everyone's sad and angry, and they're about to walk off stage getting booed. You don't just get booed at this at, at a at corporate stuff. I was like, but we ha- I have a plan. And everyone looks at my what? Like, a 45-day plan. Day one, we think about it. Over the next 44 days, we execute it. And on day 45, everyone's just... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, who is this guy? Michael Scott? And they're like, who are you? Why did you invite this guy? And it's, this is just Michael thinking that he can just say something and everything is good. That's <laughs> it. Ryer might be one of the most underrated episodes on the show, as you'll see. It even it beats Dwight's speech, where he basically goes full Stalin at the advice of Dwight. It had those vibes. But we have our final part of the show and of this episode, the volleyball game. The return of Charles Minor, my personal top three least favorite character. I mean, he played his role well. Idris Elba was a fantastic actor. Put it, he did his, it killed his accent. I mean, you'd think he was he was he was. Just a guy from Scranton or New York, but Ryer Charles Minor got very competitive, just like he did with Jim playing soccer in the parking lot a few episodes earlier. And then we find out Pam Beasley, who apparently didn't play, who hated gym class at the career fair, played volleyball a little bit in, in middle school and high school and maybe a little bit in college. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, it's pretty good. They got their ringer there. And uh, yeah. The other guy, what did you say his name was? Minor. Charles Minor, Idris, played by Idris. Charles Minor. Yep. Yeah, he's he's just laying in the gym, calling it or oh, he keeps saying, oh, did you just wake up, sleepy or whatever he calls? It? I don't know. <laughs> Going back to just keeps beat. Yeah. Yeah. He keeps beating the same joke over and over again over his head, and yeah, you got Pam going, and they they make it to the finals or whatever, and then you know Michael Scott esque. Uh, when Pam gets her, quote-unquote, they try and pull a Michael Scott in the basketball game and end it with them up or whatever. You know, what I mean? <laughs> not end it, but because they know they'll win if she's not around. Um, 
Yep. I don't even actually – you don't even end, end up seeing the end of the game, do you? That's right. We get some breaking news, John. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. We get the news, which brilliantly done. You only see, you don't hear because the microphone is in the other room. Yep. Jim walks into the doctor's office or the, the patient's room, and we find out that Pam is pregnant. That's right. Little Beasley coming out. And he calls up. And he's obviously so overjoyed. And he calls Dwight. And he's like, Dwight, send in the subs. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the best moments of that season. For I, sure. I agree. One of the, I think top, top – there's a lot of great moments on the show. Ryer, I, I dare to put that top 15 in the show probably 11 or 12. There's a lot of good ones. But I agree. I smile when I watch that episode back. So, I, I mean, it's, it, it's hard not, not to enjoy that. And, you know, the best part, though, guys, is when, when they're stalling, Dwight just kicks the ball – Really far away, he's like, I'll get it. He starts, he's walking with the turtle. And then afterward, the second time trying to stall it, he's like, how many people need to get hurt before we stop? One, two, three. No, no, hear me out. Four, five. Charles like, Dwight, six. Seven. That was that was really good. Yeah. I mean, for, for all – for Dwight's got to be the smartest not smart guy we've ever seen. For sure. But, Ryan, what are your thoughts on, on Dwight's tactics? And is that something that you would ever do if you were in a similar situation? Kind of stall. Oh, yeah, you got to do that. That's, that's a classic, you know, back in the day, uh, you're playing whatever game out at, you know, maybe summer camp or something, and you need to stall. Or your mom tells you you need to come in, but you're like, oh, I lost the ball. Like, I got to go find it. And then when she turns her back, you're, you know, you're throwing another pitch or whatever. <laughs> so it's a, it's a classic move. You got to do it. You know, you can't, you got you to gotta play to win. And that's how he was going to do it because they needed Pam to win. Uh, my other question is, what, in what hospital, if you have a sprained ankle, are they giving you a uh, uh, like an ultrasound so they figure out you have a baby <laughs> yeah, in you. like what <laughs> that's a little concerning or you know a little overkill I mean obviously it's good they did it but uh, I would not want to be getting the uh, the hospital bill if uh, you know my girlfriend was in there for a sprained ankle and all of a sudden they give her an ultrasound for no reason <laughs> you know what's interesting though is I noticed this re-watching it the nurse asks have you something about are you pregnant uh, when they were having a conversation, the nurse brings it up, and it's one of those things where you don't notice it first. You don't even think about it, and then it's like, oh, oh, and then Jim makes that face. Yeah. Jim makes that. Uh, he really doesn't make that. He doesn't make that face until maybe John. I know you don't love it, and right, you'll see the very last episode, the final prank on Dwight of the show, which is the ultimate surprise at the end of the office, but. It, it was just it's just great. You don't see Jim light up. I mean, Jim is is always like that. Maybe when he when he when the things changed in the later seasons, but maybe just when he when he eventually proposed. I mean, Jim was no. In the early seasons, he's just very you know he looks to the camera and gives his you know his usual look at, at Michael's antics. Like he you know he he raises his eyebrows or he gives like a you know you know like a, a sly smile that he knows Michael's doing something stupid. Um, but, yeah, he's never usually happy like that. Only when he's talking to Pam. Yeah. At every point of the show. I mean, you see Ryan's, like, he brings the same ham sandwich every day. He says he's going to go on a trip because he doesn't want to go to a Pam Roy wedding. He's like, where are you going? I'll spin the wheel. I'm going to I don't know, wherever he was going. And it's like, oh, 
my money, my money says that he's going to spend them again in Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and final note here, guys. Last thing I want to point out is my my most underrated part of this of this episode is about Toby, and he doesn't get a lot of airtime or FaceTime, and it's we don't see him until Michael decides to move at, later in the show that Toby finally gets at least a little love and. He actually takes pride in his look. I think he's finally grew some hair. He got, he got a little beard in there. Toby finds a Toby twin. He finds another guy that he, he bonds with in a way that we really didn't see much of in the show. He didn't get along with anybody. So I, I, I liked that for him, personally. I think it was interesting to see another guy like, hey, hey, I got that voice. That Yeah, that was, yep. I agree. I honestly don't remember that at all. Oh, you don't remember? It's, it's, it's subtle. There's a lot of subtle. Like, like I, the Diwali episode, Ryer. I mean, you know, uh, Kelly and Ryan have a hit, hit on and off relationship, right? Throughout the whole show. That's like, it's one of the jokes, right? You, you, you already know that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I know that, yep. So, it's funny. And, John, I don't know if you noticed this. You're not a big season nine guy, which I get. It's, it's a difficult season. But in the end, when it seems like Kelly and Ryan are finally done, I'm just going to – the one guy, Kelly's parents at Diwali are like, oh, Ravi's still single. She ends up with Ravi six seasons later. Like, wow. Just a Diwali episode. I do remember that because I saw the last few episodes of the, of the series in season yeah. nine. And so it's I just – right, what are the, the – the, that's just a genius thing. to put something in in season three, you completely ignore it, people forget, and then they just throw it back. So – I just thought that, that that's, a, that's a good note to end on. But do you have any closing thoughts on The Office, Ryer, before we shift gears, say goodbye, and prepare for our next Parks and Rec show next week? Uh, no, looking forward to the next batch of episodes you give me to watch. I, I tried to get, once again to start from season one, episode one, but I just, I don't know. I can't do it. So this is a little bit better, I think. Once I, you know, because then I'll get into it and I'll be like, oh, what, what happened here? You know, what's the background story? So maybe that'll spike my interest a little bit more. Um, so I think it was good in that sense. Uh, I learned a little bit more about different characters. I honestly just had to Google who Toby was. I have no idea who he is. I don't remember him a single second in the show. Uh, all I remember him from is like the opening sequence. And also, like, what's the deal with Creed? Does he just come in and out? Because yeah. I like him. Yeah, right. Creed is probably the most underrated character on the show. <laughs> he, yeah. He's like, if you, there's, um, there's a couple YouTube videos, best of Creed. It's there, yeah. maybe the most hysterical yeah. parts of the show. Because <laughs> isn't, he's yeah. in the Diwali episode, like wanting to look at the, the sex book or whatever. And then yeah. he's just like, he's literally in the show for like a total of like 15 yeah. seconds. And yeah. then he's gone. He knows immediately. He's like, oh, yes, that's the union of the monkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he just, like, subtly drops in. So I like that. That's funny. Um, but I just wasn't sure if he's in – if he comes in, like, in a later season or if he's oh, in he's, every he's season. He's a forever guy. Kareem's okay. a forever guy. And what we're going to do – we're going to declare this now. We're going to have an episode dedicated to just Creed and Moe's. We're going to call it Creed and Moe's – the adventures of Moe's and Creed. And that's, that's just going to be its own thing. And I'm going right. right, to send you, a, you watch 30 minutes, best of, and you'll get everything you need to know. But on that, oh, great. John, glad to have you on today and look forward to your next appearance, either on season two or three, as we get some other new guests to collab with. And maybe, you know, we get a little crossover. We get a little Jim and Dwight in another state. Yep, sounds good. This was fun.
fun reminiscing on these characters and you know those episodes um office is one of the best i mean it really is yeah so thanks for having me on so for john stewart and ryer smith i am zach weiss this has been Swanson versus Schrute. We will see you all next week. Make sure to catch us on Spotify at Swanson versus Schrute. Maybe a Twitter account, Ryer. I mean, we'll see. You got a recap pod. I currently run three Twitter accounts, but who's to say that four is too much? <laughs> we'll see. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. But uh, on that note, we sign off. We will see you later.